Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. I'm reading out of John chapter 2 and verse 1. John chapter 2 verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. When people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs that Jesus did in Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Lord, our last opportunity in 2023 as a church to gather around, together around your word. I pray that you'd breathe on it fresh. Breathe on us, Holy Spirit. Let there be a prophetic edge. Lord God, give me a prophetic edge in my message. Give us ears to hear, Holy Spirit, what you're saying to your church. Be here in a tangible way for those that don't know you. Be in a tangible way for those of us that do know you. Show up today, God, we pray. Lord, let us leave better than when we came in. We believe, Lord God, this is a, this is a doorway to a new year of opportunity. And so motivate us, God, for what you want to do in this new year. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. You can high-five the person beside you. Fist pump them. Give them a kiss on the cheek if you know them really well. Don't do that if you don't know them really well. That could be problematic. So Jesus is at a wedding. Weddings are usually a big deal. If you're planning on getting married, I always encourage people, uh, have a great wedding service, a great wedding ceremony. But to me, the thing that lives on as a memory is the honeymoon more than the wedding ceremony because usually in the wedding ceremony you're so emotionally uptight and eager and anxious that it just happens like a flash and then you don't remember anything but there's a lot of planning that goes into a wedding Anna I I can't say I did a lot of planning for a wedding I just pretty much showed up and memorized my lines which was something like I do (laughs) but Anna Anna made all sorts of gifts to give to people and 
cookies. I think you baked, I don't know how many hundred cookies and, and all these sort of favours that she did and stuff. And we, we booked a boat to go out on uh, Lake Michigan to sail around Chicago. And Chicago was Chicago for us, which meant we couldn't go out in the boat because of the rain. I think there's more water coming down from the sky than there was in the lake at that point. And so we had to moor the boat at the, the jetty. We couldn't even go out. Uh, it was awesome. I, remember, I, I don't remember too much of it, but I do remember the, the honeymoon was fantastic. Put a lot of energy into the ceremony. When, when, when our daughter Chloe got married to Greg, uh, when our daughter Chloe got married to Greg, he was a lot more excited than me. But it was inevitable on the schedule was going to be the daddy-daughter dance, which I just dreaded. Not that I don't want to dance with my, my daughter. My daughter is amazing, but I just, I don't like crying in public. And, and if you have daughters, you just know that's just a recipe for crying in public. I, I just pretty much said to Nico when, when him and Hermana had little Lily, I was like, you're destined for a life of tears. I may or may not have found a copy uh, of butterfly kisses in Spanish and accidentally played it to him when he was in a meeting. I, it was an accident. So, so to prepare myself for the daddy-daughter dance, I, I, I made a Spotify playlist of every emotional, tear-jerking daddy-daughter song that's ever been written to humanity. And the, the day before the wedding, I just played it for eight hours straight, relentlessly. I thought I'll cry all the tears out. I'll get everything out. By the time the wedding comes, I'll be able to dance with her and I'll just be able to be really cool. And, and it didn't work. Don't try that. That's just torture for no reason at all. But there's so much planning in the wedding. And so when this wedding feast is happening, uh, this is a big deal. This is a big deal for everybody, the bride, the groom, the families. It's a big deal. The Bible says in verse 1, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. Now, I don't see any mistakes that Jesus makes in his ministry, but this one here, I've got to be honest with you, I put a question mark over. Was this the wisest thing that Jesus had ever done? Because he goes to a wedding, goes to a, a party with his best friends, with his mother being there. I think at any event that you want to take your friends to, you don't want your mother to be at that party. That's just a recipe for disaster. Now, I love my mom. My mom is in heaven, been there for a few years. Uh, now, I love my, I, my mom, but I had a very, very healthy fear of my mother. I'm still scared of her. She's not even alive. I, I have a healthy fear of my mother. And to be honest, there was no reason that I should have a healthy fear of my mother other than I'm convinced that all women go through mother training at some point. I'm not sure when it happens. I'm not sure what age. I'm not sure if it's when they fall pregnant or it's when they're in their teenage years. But I'm convinced that at some point, ninjas come from the ceiling, they kidnap her, and they take her away, and they train her in the skills of mum Kwando. I believe it's an actual martial art, mum Kwando. My, my mother had a black belt. Not, not a black belt in mum Kwando. She had a black belt, and she just hit me with the belt. But my... 
My, my mother was skilled. They, they do all sorts of things. They surgically implant something. Don't know what it is, but surgically implant something into their glands at, at that point where their spit can clean anything. You've got to stain on your shirt. Your mother's going to wipe. You've got to stain on your face. Oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. Clean it with mother's spit. It's, your, your mother has these supernatural talents, gifts, and, 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 a, and, and ability, and she's there. I'm, I'm sure one of the things that happens is that your mom is trained and says, listen, if all else fails, when they're a baby, when they're a baby, take a photo of your child naked on a bearskin rug. And just have it handy. And their friends come around and fuck. You think Johnny is cool? Look at him here. He's naked on a bearskin rug. So this is a fail, I, I think, on Jesus' part to be there when his mother was there and his friends were there. This is not necessarily a fail, but very, very full of faith or something. The wine ran out. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. In other words, mom, no, I, I, I don't want to do it. I, I'm, I'm not ready for this. I, I, how many of you are grateful for a praying mother? How many, how many of you are grateful for a mother that was willing to, come on, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. A mother that was willing to prophesy into your life. I am only here today because I had a praying mom. I am only here today because I had a mom that looked past my failures, past my issues, past my problems, past my disobedience, past my stupidity, and believed in her heart that God could do something in my life. I'm so grateful for my mom. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I love this. They've run out of wine. Jesus is like, what's that got to do with me? And I'm not ready. Mary turns around, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. There's no more conversation. <laughs> she doesn't go back and rebuke Jesus and say, you just do it. There's no more conversation. She just anticipates, I told him to do it, he's going to do it. Now, this is either a result that Jesus is always perfectly obedient all through his life or that, that, that Jesus was terrified that the verse would end up reading out and Mary pulled out a picture of Jesus naked on a bearskin rug. <laughs> verse 11 says, and this is the first of his signs. I thought it was a great opportunity as we begin the first of the year, a brand new season. An opportunity for us to close the door on 2023 and open the door to a brand new year of opportunity. It's a leap year. You get an extra day of opportunity. And so it's a brand new year of opportunity. It's a, it's a, a first for us. We've never experienced 2024 before. And so I thought as we stand on this day of first starting out, we should look at the first of his signs. How do we position ourselves so Jesus will do something new in our life in 2024? How do we position ourselves for a year of new beginnings? How do we position ourselves for a year that we'll experience many firsts? Verse 6. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. When Jesus performed his first miracle... He, he looked for what was ready and what was available. The water jars played their part in the miracle simply for only one reason, because they were there 
and they were available. They were not fancy jars. They were just a regular object of use. They were not expensive jars. They were not elaborate jars. They had one thing in common. They were just there. Availability is a prerequisite for being used by God. On the day of Pentecost, 120 people were filled with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, 120 people got to experience the birthday, the first day of the church. They got to experience a moment in history that no one else would experience because it was a first. 120 people were there and the major qualifier for them was that they were available. They were just there. They weren't necessarily the smartest, the most holy, the most spiritual, the most intellectual. They were just there. 500 people were invited to attend and 380 had something better to do. 500 people had something better to do. 500 people were invited, but 380 people missed out. 380 people missed out because they had something else prioritized, but 120 out of the 500, they showed up, and that was the number one common element. They showed up. Showing up, just being available. In Acts chapter 1, they have a dilemma. Judas is dead. They need to replace him. They've got 11. They need 12 apostles to help birth the church. And they come up and they say, listen, we need somebody to replace him, but we need somebody who was there from the baptism of John to the ascension into heaven, which is pretty much the whole ministry of Jesus. We need someone who's been there from the baptism to the ascension. Do we have anybody? And there were two there, Justice and Matthias. Matthias was selected simply because he was there. And he'd always been there. Think about that. He was there from the baptism of John to the ascension of Jesus, and you do not read about him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. But he was always there. He was available. He just showed up. A young boy's lunch of loaves and fishes was used for a miracle to feed thousands simply because he was there. And Jesus was looking for something that was available. We need to we need to be available for miracles. We need to be available for the unknown. We need to be available for the new. If we're going to see a year like no other, we need to position ourselves like we've never been positioned before. We need to get ourselves ready like we've never been ready before. We need to say, God, here I am. I'm ready to be used. Here I am, God. Do something significant in me in this brand new year. Just be available. You've already started it. You're here today. That's already a great step. Verse 6 goes on and says, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. See, every jar had a different capacity. Every jar could carry a different load. Every jar was different in what it could hold. Some of you can't do what you are going to be able to do in the future right now. Some of you can do certain things, but, but the potential in your life hasn't fully developed. So your capacity may be a 10-gallon jar or a 20-gallon jar, but the promise of God could be that you're going to be a 100-gallon jar. You can't do what God's going to do in the future, but you can do what God's called you to do now. Some, some of you are not able to do what you were able to do in the past. There are things that you're able to do in your 20s that you're not able to do in your 80s. It doesn't disqualify you. It just says that it's a different season for you. 
And then some of you are not able to do what other people can do. There are other people that, that can do different things or better things. But Paul said to us, don't go and compare yourself with other people. Because if you start comparing yourself with what other people can do, then you'll disqualify yourself, you'll nullify yourself, and you won't be who God called you to be. God didn't call you to be the best version of somebody else. He called you to be the best version of you. God didn't call you to be your dad. God didn't call you to be your mom. God didn't call you to be me. God didn't call you to be Russell. God didn't call you to be uh, Dr. Anna. God didn't call you to be, God just called you to be you. And you should just be the best version of you that you could possibly be. When he created you, he didn't make a mistake. Our prayer for 2024 is going to be, here I am, God, I'm available. I, I'm ready to be used for your glory. I, I, I'm ready, God, send me. I, I, I'm ready, God, here I am, use me. Here I am, God, I'm a vessel ready to be used for your purpose. I'm, I, I'm ready for you to do in me what you want to do in me and show me what you want me to do. I, I'm ready and I'm available for your kingdom. Here I am, God, I, I'm making myself open and available right now. How do we... How do we position ourselves for a year of first when Jesus performed his first miracle he instructed that what was available would be filled to the brim verse 7 Jesus said to the servants fill the jars with water and they fill them to the brim so while we need to be available we also need to be responsive responsiveness is a prerequisite for being used by God and we need to cultivate the ability to respond to what God wants us to do. I love Dr. Cho. Dr. Cho says, I, I pray and then I obey. We need to be responsive to the things of God. If God is trying to get something new done through you, then you need to empty yourself of past failures and you need to empty yourself of past successes and say, God, that was good yesterday, but it's not going to be good for tomorrow. Some of you need to close the door on 2023 and said, man, I made a lot of mistakes. I had a lot of fails. There were things that I wish I didn't do. I wish I did differently. Shut the door. Slam the door. Don't live in the, the, the past of what you were doing in this past year. But the same is true for successes. Some of you had a wonderful year in 2023. It was a year of victory. It was a year of breakthrough. It was a year of taking new ground. It was a year of moving your life forward. But don't live... In, in the shadow of even past victories. Empty yourself out and say, God, we've got a brand new calendar. We've got a brand new year. I, I, I'm going to give you an empty open me. God, do in me what you want to do in me. Come on, God, do it. William Pollard said, the arrogance of success is to think that what you did yesterday will be sufficient for tomorrow. The jars were empty. The jars were ready. The jars were available. They were there. But they were no use empty. They had to be filled. Something had to happen in the jar. If God is trying to open up a new season for you, don't let fear intimidate you. Get filled with faith. If God's trying to open up a new season with you, don't, don't let failure intimidate you. Get filled with faith. If God is trying to begin a new season in you, don't, don't let fear destroy it. Get filled with the Holy Ghost and get filled with the Holy Ghost power. Come empty, come open, and be ready to be filled for new challenges, new opportunities. Use me, God, in a fresh new way.
in Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he's praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Ananias said, Lord, I've heard many stories about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and he entered the house. Ananias says, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, send me. And then God says, okay, Ananias, I'm going to use you. I'm going to send you. I want you to go to the house of Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias is like, is there a plan B? Is there anybody else I can go and see? Because this guy's terrifying. Saul of Tarsus was known for standing by watching Christians get stoned and not stoned, it was like with rocks. He was known for uh, uh, being a part of people being killed for their faith. Word of him had gone around in the early church and they're all terrified of this man. And God speaks to Ananias and he says, listen, I want you to get out there. If you want to do something for me, you've got to take a step of faith. Ananias' action, his faith, his courage, what did that do? It gave us Paul the Apostle. Saul of Tarsus got converted. He became uh, wrote most of the New Testament and got the vision to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. If it wasn't for Ananias being obedient in his faith, maybe Paul wouldn't have been saved. You and I are here as a result of one man praying, God saying, I want you to do this. Him saying, I don't want to do that. And God's like, don't worry, I've made a way for you where there seems like there is no way. Just be obedient, trust me. Ananias stepped out in faith and the rest is history. The rest is history. Ananias never wrote a book of the Bible. We don't really hear about him until here. He comes and then he goes. But he had a big impact. Don't underestimate what God wants to do in you. Don't underestimate who God wants you to talk to. Our prayer for 24 would be, God, I'm an empty vessel. Fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your purpose. Fill me with a heart for the lost. Fill me with a passion for your kingdom. Fill me with expectation. Fill me with new dreams and new desires. God, fill me with a hunger for righteousness. Our prayer is, God, I'm listening. My my ear is tuned to hear your voice. My, my, My eyes are open to see the vision that you would give me. Soften my heart that I'd be I'd be more than willing to do your will. I'm, I'm praying, God, calm the noises of distraction that I would pray here and I would obey. I am ready. That's my prayer. 
I am ready. That should be our prayer. I am ready and responsive. I will arise and I'll build your church. I, I, will, I will bring people to church. I will serve the church. I will love the world around me. I'll have a, 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 a compassion and a passion and be diligent to impact those that are in need in the world around me. God, use me in a new and significant way. Don't let it just be the same old repeated over again. How do we position ourselves for a year of firsts? When Jesus performed his first miracle, Jesus, I love this, Jesus commanded that the servants do something. Verse 8, he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it. Partnership is a prerequisite for being used by God. What did, what did Jesus say? He said, you draw it out. And you take it to the master. The miracle was connected to the servant's obedience. The miracle was connected to the servant's action. And the miracle was connected to the servant's partnership. Too many people live their whole life. Oh, I can't do anything. God's going to do it all. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. No, God chose to be in partnership with you. God could do it all on his own. He created the universe on his own. He's got the power to do it all on his own. But he chose not to do it on his own. He chose to use you. And we sit back and we go, oh, it's just all going to be him. In this first miracle that Jesus did, the miracle that launched his miracle ministry, what did Jesus do in the miracle? Well, they've run out of wine. Yeah, I don't want to do anything. Well, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. So then Jesus says to them, get those six water jars and you fill it with water. You fill it with water. How, how many jars did Jesus fill with water? Zero. You fill it with water. Jesus, zero. Them, six. You fill it with water. You bring them over here. So now they're carrying the, the jars full of water. He says, now you draw it out and you take it to the master of the feast. You draw it out. You do it. What Jesus did was only what Jesus could do. And that was the miracle part. But everything else practical, he let them do it. And he let them participate in his miracle. In partnership. Partnership with Jesus means that you do what you can do and Jesus does what he can do. You do what you can do and rarely, I'm not saying never, but rarely Jesus will do what you can do. Why won't Jesus do what you can do? Because he said you're to do that. And then he does what he can do. You can't do what he can do. He does the supernatural, you do the natural. But he puts his power on your natural and it becomes supernatural. But you've got to do something. Too many Christians are sitting on their prayerful spiritual backside doing nothing, waiting for God to do everything. And God's like, no, you're not God. I'm not going to run in obedience to your whims. You get off your backside and you do something and then I'll bless what you're doing. It's a partnership with God. Listen, Jesus didn't come in the flesh. 
He didn't raise up church planning disciples, die on a cross, rise from the dead, give us the great commission, fill us with the dynamic dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, give us his word, give us his promises for us to sit on our backsides and do nothing. He did all of that so we could go out and build his kingdom. He's called us to use us. Someone's got to soak, someone's got to water, and then God will give the increase. But God is not going to sow, God's not going to water, and God's not going to increase what he sowed in water. He says, no, you sow, you water, and I'll give the increase. You do what you do, and God will do what he does. Listen, if you, if you sincerely believe that you can't do anything, then you most likely won't. If you believe that you'll be defeated, you most likely will. But if you can believe that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him. doesn't mean I can do anything or everything, but it means that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't need to do everything because God's got all of us to do our thing. But God wants to strengthen me in the things he's called me to do. He wants to strengthen you in the things he's called you to do. There are things that he's called you to do he hasn't called me to do. And so I'm not asking him to strengthen me in the things that he's called you to do. I'm asking him to strengthen me in the things that he's called me to do. And I can do all the things he's called me to do through Christ who strengthens me to do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you to do that. There are certain things in life I just don't want to do. I have no interest in doing it. I, I'm not going to pray and ask God to strengthen me to do that because I just don't want to do it. I don't want to be a cat lover. And I don't want to own a cat. I have no desire whatsoever to ever own a cat. You know, if you're a cat lover, that's because God's called you to be a cat lover. And may he, may he strengthen you in your cat lovingness. But I am not asking God to make me a cat lover. My wife's grandma not only loves cats, but she breeds cats. Her house is full of cats. I swear to you, there's 200 cats there. There's probably only five, but they just show up everywhere. And her grandma is a cat lover. And luckily for Anna's mum, she's a cat lover. And my father-in-law, he's a cat lover. I am not a cat lover. When I go to their house for Thanksgiving or things like that, it's not a pleasant. They're pleasant, but the cats are like everywhere. They let the cats, I'm not sure if there's a cat lover thing, but they let the cats climb up on the dinner table while you're eating dinner. Like you're eating and there's a cat like looking at you at little demon-possessed eyes right from the side. So I have no desire. Oh, God, give me a love for the cats. No, mine is, oh, God, let the cats not be there when I get there. Let them find the cat lover. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but I'm looking for what, God, what do you want me to do? Jesus will empower you to achieve the things that he has purposed for you to do. We need to pray for Jesus' supernatural power to strengthen us in 2024. We need to pray, here I am, God, I, I, I'm engaged. 
God, use me for your purpose. Use me for your plan. Use me for your service. Let, let me be your hands and let me be your feet. Use my talent. Use my ability. Use my resource. God, I want to give you my time. I'm, I'm ready, Lord God, for you. to. That's my prayer this year. God, use us. That should be your prayer this year. Use me, God. If you're at home watching online, use me, God, in a strategic new way. How can, how can we position ourselves for a year of firsts? When Jesus performed his first miracle, Jesus did extravagant. Jesus did over and above and way beyond. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. When people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But, but you have kept the good wine, the best wine, until now. If we're going to have a year of miracles, there's got to be expectation. Expectation is a prerequisite to be used by God. And, and, and we need to expect, we need to anticipate, we need to be the, ready for the Holy Spirit to fill us with His power, to fill us with His presence, and fill us with His purpose. We need to believe God is going to use us in a way that we've never been used before and do things that we've never experienced before. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Can I, can I read that to you? Look at it says here. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, not just abundantly, far more abundantly. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work in us. To him who does the work in and through us. And what does he want to do in and through us? Exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything that we could hope or think or dare to imagine. They had six earthen vessels carrying 20 to 30 gallons each and turned it into wine. That's 75 cases of wine. That's 908 bottles of wine. They ran out of wine at the end of the wedding. They'd been there for days. This is the time they just go, oh, just give them whatever's left over. Fill it up with water, make it look red. They won't know. And Jesus creates over 900 bottles. If there's 100 people at the wedding, that's nine bottles of wine each. So not only is it abundant, but it's the best. He turned the water into wine. And for the last 2,000 years, the church has been trying to turn the wine back into water, but that's another thing. We need to stop apologizing for dreaming big dreams. We, we need to stop apologizing for passion and excellence. We need to stop apologizing for success. We need to start believing that we can be more. We need to start believing that we can do more. God deserves that we do for him what is excellent. That there's got to be, there's got to be a, a, a passion in us that says, God, I refuse to be intimidated by the world around me. 
I, I refuse to be intimidated. The problem with religion is that it tries to shrink everything down and make it small and insignificant. And it's not in the character or nature of God to do small and insignificant. He wants to do exceedingly, abundantly beyond. There's nothing small in that. And exceedingly, abundantly beyond more in you. There's greatness in you. It's not somebody else's greatness, but your greatness. To start believing that God could start to do something great in you. As a church... The church has got to stop settling for second best, half-hearted attitude, and start believing that God can make us excellent. I'm tired of watching people online criticize the church, people that don't even go to church, criticizing the church and telling us what we should do and how we should spend our money and what we should do with our money and what we should do with our resources. Listen, listen, if you're on there with your cell phone talking about why the church should be giving money to the poor, why don't you sell your cell phone and give that money to the poor? I'm not saying that we shouldn't do stuff. That's That's our mission here is to help the poor. But the one thing that you don't do to help the poor is to become poor. The only way that you can help the poor is not being poor. The only way that you can help those people that settle for second best is be the best and draw them with you. Let's not shrink God down to our limited imagination. Let's get our imagination starting to dream big dreams like God would use us and God's created us to be. I remember when I was in New Zealand, we just started the church, South City Christian Life Center, and I wanted to buy a photocopier. I walked into the Xerox store, and I said, hey, man, I'm from South City Christian Life Center, and I want to get a copier. He said, come with me, and he took me to the second-hand copier section, to where the, the, the leftovers and the broken copiers, and I said, what are we doing in here? He said, well, you, you said you wanted a copier. I said, I do want a copier. Why are we here? Did I ask for a second-hand copier? He said, no, but you said you're from a church. And all churches want is secondhand copiers. They just want something that can barely do the job. I'm like, did I ask for a secondhand copier that could barely do the job? Now, I couldn't get the most elaborate copier that was in there, although that would have been awesome. But our capacity wasn't there. And so we did the best that we could do in our capacity. Excellence is just simply you being the best you that you could be at any given time. And yesterday's excellence is today's mediocrity and tomorrow's failure. So we just want to give our best. Here's the problem with the church. The reason we copy creativity is because we've abdicated our creativity. The reason we sit there and go, well, you're just copying the world is because we're not creating anything. And because we're not creating anything, you have to copy. We should be doing the creating and people should be copying us because we serve the creator. So we can take something, technology or whatever they're doing, and we can use it for the glory of God, but we should be making it better. We should take it, make it better. But we, we don't have the creativity because we've abdicated creativity. We don't have innovation because we've abdicated innovation. We, we, we copy thought because we've abdicated thinking. We copy ingenuity because we've abdicated ingenuity. And it's time for us to take it back. 
It's time for us to declare we can be creative. It's time for us to declare we can be excellent. It's time to declare we can do better than what we've done in the past. Billy Graham said this. He said, heaven will be more modern and up to date than any of the present day constructions of man. Heaven will be a place to challenge the creative genius of the unfettered mind of redeemed man. Heaven will be a place made supremely attractive by the presence of Christ. Heaven's going to blow our mind. I Listen, if, if you're of the persuasion where you, you don't believe in prosperity and you don't believe in abundance and you don't believe in greatness, you don't want to go to heaven. It's going to freak you out. You're going to be miserable. You're going to, you're going to get into heaven and you're going to be depressed. You walk down one of those streets of gold. But why have you got a street of gold? Why couldn't you have borrowed some secondhand wood from hell? There's gold on the floor. You're going to be like freaking out at the opulence, the opulence of heaven. We're going to stop taking the bigness of God and shrinking it down. Why does God want to do big things in us? Because there's a world hurting around us. Here's where the church has gone wrong with prosperity and all those things. We've taken the abundance and then we've made it all about us. And we should be able to take the abundance and make it all about others. But you can't give it away until you've got it. Why, why can't you, if you're a student here, why can't you be the smartest student in your class? Why can't you be excellent at what you do in class? If you're a business leader, why can't you be the wealthiest business leader in our community? Why can't you be the most successful salesperson in your company? Why can't you be the most impactful teacher at your school? Why can't you be the hardest most effective worker on your job? Why can't you be a brilliant counselor? Why can't you be a spectacular doctor? Why can't you be an amazing nurse or a, a, just a, a great healthcare worker? Why can't you be the happiest and most joyful person in the nursing home or, or in your community club or wherever you're at? Why can't you be on top of the game in your sport? Why can't you dare to believe that God can do great things in you. You're a child of the creator. You're a child of God. You can bring solutions, not problems. You can bring the best creative ideas. You can lead with strength and inspiration. You can have fresh vision from heaven. You can be a source of joy. You can be the one that brings change to your world. But you've got to expect that God wants to do great things in you. Don't shrink God down to religious limitations or the limitations of the world around you. We serve a creative God. And he may not do everything everyone wants him to do the way he wants them, they want him to do it. When Jesus was hung on a cross, they walked past him, they wagged their heads, they spat on him. And this is what they said. If you're the son of God, get down on the cross and come down here. 
and then we'll believe in you. But Jesus never lowered his standard to the expectation of the people around him. He held his head high. He stuck through the pain of the cross because he knew that down there is limited. But this thing here is unlimited. And I'm not going to drop my standards to your limited thinking because it makes sense in your head. But I'm going to stand up here and I'm looking to heaven and despise the shame. I'm going to endure the cross because there's something greater on the other side. And he saw us. Don't drop your standards. We can't live with a lack mentality. Russell, you can come up. Just don't live with a, ah, near enough is good enough. Don't give God your second best. Maybe you've done that this past year. When you open the door to 2024, say, God, I'm, 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 here I am. I'm open for the new. I repent of my smallness. I want to embrace bigness. I repent of my lack mentality. I repent of being lazy and just expecting you to do everything and me to enjoy the benefits. I repent of settling for ordinary. I repent of being small-minded. I repent for my negativity and my gossip. Jesus, let this be a year of new beginnings. Jesus, let this be a year of innovation, new opportunity. Let this be a year where I get my mind and my, my life aligned with the will of heaven. How do we position ourselves for a year of firsts? When Jesus did his first miracle, it resulted in a brand new season of ministry. This is the first of his signs. The first of something is normally a result of the end of something else. Tomorrow will be the first day of 2024. It's a result of the end of 2023. It's the first of something because it's the end of something. This is a transition point in the life of Jesus. He starts his miracle ministry here. This is a transition point for his mother Mary. Up until this point, she's just held these things in her heart. She's pondered these things in her heart, but now they're on public display. This is a brand new day for the disciples. He didn't have the whole 12 of them at this point, but they've gone from being his best friends to believing that he is a miracle worker. It was a change for everybody. God gives us time as a gift. It's a gift from heaven. And we, we exist, live, and respond in that time frame. And because it's a gift, we can close the door to the old and we can open the door to a brand new 2024. It's a, a year of fresh possibility. It's a clean slate. It's an open table. Here I am. God, I, I, I want to see you move is my prayer. I believe this is prophetic for word of life. That it's a year our lives will please Jesus. It's a year where our families will be healthy. It's going to be a year of miracles, a year of breakthrough, a year of abundance. It's going to be a year of new beginnings. It's going to be a year of answered prayer. It's going to be a year of souls being saved. And that, that daughter, that son, that parent that's away from God, that spouse that's away from God, 2024, let's declare it prophetically over their lives that this is going to be a year of their salvation in Jesus' name. It's going to be a year that the kingdom of God advances. It's going to be a year where Word of Life Church can serve our city better. It's going to be a year where we can expand our mission's impact around the world.
Let's prophetically declare 2024 is going to be a year of first. It's going to be a year of miracles, a year of expansion, a year of increase, a year of restoration, a year of reconciliation. Relationships in your life that have been broken and gone for years. We're going to believe that this year coming up, 2024, is going to be the year that God reconciles that relationship and brings you back into harmony with that person. Healing is going to happen. Forgiveness is going to flow. Love is going to flow. Grace is going to flow. Let's believe that 2024 will be a year of firsts. Come on, God. We're ready for a new season. How many people are are ready for a brand new season? You're done with the old season. You're done with 2023. You're done with the last. This is a year of firsts. Join us on the journey. Come tonight if you can at 11. Pray with us into the new year. Let's believe that God's going to do something new at Word of Life. Something that shows His glory here in the city. But let's pray that He's going to do something amazing in you. Pray together. The next 21 days from tomorrow, 6 a.m. and 8 p.m., gather together on Zoom, praying together. We're going to pray more in 2024. We're going to believe more in 2024. It's going to be a year of increase for every one of us. Maybe this is a good time today before you leave to write down on the prayer cards some prayer requests that you want us to pray for you in 2024. Drop it in the offering box as you go out or put it at the connect desk. Bring it tonight as we pray together 11. You're amazing. Some of you have lived in the shadows of somebody else's criticism. There's some people here today and you live in the shadow and and it's, you live in the shadow and intimidation of what you uh, brought with you when you came to America. Things were done back in your home country that you took with you. I'm not sure if it's shame or humiliation. These are some of the words I feel like the Holy Spirit is giving me. Shame, humiliation, fear, intimidation. And you've, you've, you brought that with you. The word of the Lord to you today is, that's back there. You're not a prisoner to that anymore. You left that behind. And in this new year, you've got to leave all that leave all that, that has impacted you in 2023. Leave it behind and step into a new year and say, God, that's behind me. I'm looking forward to everything that's forth. I, I'm, not a, I'm not an ex-anything. I'm not intimidated. I'm not ruled by fear. God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but God's given me a spirit of love, and God's given me a spirit of power, and God's given me a sound mind, and I'm going to stand righteous in Him, and I'm going to stand holy in Him. I'm going to stand bold in Him. I'm going to stand courageous in Him. This is a new opportunity, and this is a new moment. Holy Spirit, do that in lives today. Do that in lives today. God, I pray that you would do that in lives today. Lord God, that people could close the door to the past. And Lord God, they could open the door to a brand new future. 
Lord, this could be the day that they lay it all down at your feet. And tomorrow, when they open their eyes, Lord, that you can start writing new things on their life. And I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're in the room. Maybe you're online. But I'm believing with you right now. God, do something new, amazing, and reverse the curse of the past. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, why don't you stand to your feet right now? Give the Lord a great round of applause. Let's worship God for a moment together.